Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things that we're going to look at in a market that saw some big drops in the soybeans. We know the negativity is there within the trade on the grains. And it's a mixed type of market bag on the livestock complex. So having said all of that, and this is kind of following up on a conversation we've had a couple times in the last week, is what's going on with the money flow in the dollar? And are we seeing a shift going on in the marketplace? And as our guest today said, the chance of the follow the lead type of atmosphere at the markets might be gone for a while. So we're going to find out all the details today with Sean Hackett. He is with Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean, let's start there. A market shift. You say it's underway. You know, there's this concept uh, that we talk about all the time when a, when a particular trade gets crowded, you know, where everyone is betting on the same trade and, and, it, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning that by the time the last person tries to play the trend that's been in there for a while, it usually means that everyone's on the wrong side of the boat and you need to kind of switch gears. It looks to us, when you look at the U.S. dollar, that we have an historic short position of all time by speculators. And everyone's, you know, the media's been talking about inflation, 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 you know, week after week after week. And, and all of a sudden, we're starting to see the levers of the dollar starting to stabilize. Some of this speculating, starting to buy back these uh, futures contracts on the U.S. dollar futures, and and we're starting to see um, things like Bitcoin start to have a correction and a setback, which is just following this inflation trade. And some more choppy trading. We just think that there's a good chance that we might be heading for a shifting away from the dollar because it's going to keep going down just by commodities to well. Which ones really should be here? Which ones got caught too much up in it? And that's a big change, and I think that uh, that's going to make it much more of a commodity picker's market than just all for one and one for all. And that, that to me, is not necessarily bad or anything. It just means I have to be a little more careful than maybe we had to be in the last six months. I, I like your, your statement, a commodity picker's market. Kind of expand a little bit on what that's all about. Commodity pickers market is that just because corn is bullish doesn't mean cotton is necessarily bullish, right? It doesn't necessarily mean coffee is bullish. Doesn't mean you know every single market has its own supply and demand DNA equation. Each one's driven by different factors. There are some common factors. Weather sometimes can be a common factor, but there are also very different levers that are pulled in each market. And when we start to move away from the inflation trade to what I call much more of a fundamental market, the market's going to start to determine or discern, you know, which markets really have a fundamental reason to go higher. Because certainly, as you know, looking at something like corn, corn is driven by different factors than uh, something like cotton that is grown in different places, has different demand base, driven by different economic factors. And I think those factors start to become more important once this inflation fever begins to subside and I think that means that as a speculator, you know, speculative money that comes to our markets, you would have to be more careful, more discerning from that and that means uh, really understanding what's driving specific markets and making sure you don't get caught up in the inflation trade only because you might get caught if you're a hedger, you know, not making a sale or as a buyer not making a purchase because you're, you're, you're not looking at the right factors. Could we see a rally coming shortly for this dollar, or are we going to have to hold tight for a little bit longer? 
I think we're ready for a U.S. dollar rally and, and a pretty significant one. And like I said, it doesn't mean it's the end of the bear market in U.S. dollar. It doesn't mean that the long-term trend in inflation is over, but it means we're heading for a pause. So an example, if you look at the last time we had the inflation cycle in the 2000s when the dollar topped in 2002 and was trending downward for about 10 years, there was this period in that 2004, 2005, and early 2006 where the dollar actually rallied considerably um, and kind of pushed brakes on a lot of the inflation trade that was going on, and we got into this kind of a concept that more of a commodity picker's market during that time before the inflation trade kicked in again thereafter. That's where we think we're at. We're just sort of in this middle ground. We're probably looking for a pause in the action. It's just going to be a little harder to just say everything's going to go up all the time. Certain markets can, but it's not going to be as easy as it's been. Do you think this is part of the reason why China's been doing a lot of purchases as of late? Do they see the writing on the wall? Well, I think that, you know, when they look at the whole picture, they're probably sensing that there might be uh, something to that. Remember, when the Chinese are NIMBY, the Chinese currency is strong like it has been, and makes their purchasing power very, very good, and they can buy a lot more corn, for example, with the same amount of money when their currency is strong. If they have a sense that maybe things are shifting and their currency might be weakening and their purchasing power might be weakening some, that they're going to want to get while they're getting this good before they're, you know, before it's going to cost them more money to buy the same bushel of corn in their currency dollars. Does it surprise you that they've made the purchases they've made this last week? Um, it's a little surprising that they're purchasing as much as they are this late. It's interesting that when you look at the corn price in China, and look at the soybean price in China. Both have started to correct sharply in the last couple of weeks. Um, this is the first time we've really seen a big break in these two markets, really since the rally began in August domestically there. What it says to me is that they have been buying before because they were short product, but they might finally have actually gotten their hands around that, and now it's suggesting that the supply scarcity issue is easing for now, and they might get be actually doing more stockpiling than buying for needs. And when we see that shift, once we kind of careful that they easily could stop and push the brakes on stockpiling because it's not as critical as when you absolutely need the product and don't have it. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue into part two. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Well, Susan, I mean, you know, harvest is just about ready to go. Uh, in, in South America, and you know, as those supplies start to come in, you know, those supplies will start to become available. And remember, we just talked about how the prices in China are starting to weaken. So it's suggesting that the urgency with which you know they've needed product before were satisfied from buying from the U.S. And now those purchases, as they shift to South America, you know, might be a little more uh, orderly, and meaning they might be obviously in less. Uh, maybe even less from the from the U.S. going forward. So we need to be real careful, you know, about thinking that this kind of blistering demand is going to be here forever. It won't. There's never a linear path. We always call it a sine wave. You get these accelerations of purchases, and then they pull back. Accelerations of per- like a snake. That's usually how demand ebbs and flows. It's not this linear line that humans like to have in their head. And so we kind of feel we might be heading for an ebbing of some of this Chinese demand at a time when, you know, 
South America is going to have some product available. So that suggests that we might be looking at some kind of a uh, of a change from this relentless uptrend and maybe more of a of a bifurcated market, sideways trade, downside volatility. Like we saw late last week, we had that first real hard knock across the bow, and now it looks like maybe we'll let the rolling over again. This is something we're going to see more of than it's just up, up, and away, and there's no corrections at all. So before we head over to the livestock side, really the, the key note is we're going to see a lot more volatility within this market trade. Well, yeah, I mean, every time that the... Um, you know, every time that the grain markets have a big surge, the markets can worry about high feed prices and what that means for livestock producers' ability to feed these animals profitably. Uh, especially in the case of cattle, you know, there's a, a, a process called herd liquidation when feed prices get too high and the producer says, you know what, instead of continuing to feed my losses to this animal, I'm simply going to liquidate an animal and put more of those animals into the open market uh, so I can win myself of these losses. We're not quite there yet, Susan, but we started to see some of that fear you know, creeping in here in the last uh, month. And as we move into the spring and summer and get to our growing season, which we think is going to be quite interesting with some drought expectations kicking in, that herd liquidation could create some pretty wild volatility in both directions as the grain markets ebb and flow. So that kind of leads into my next question then, because obviously when we have you on the air, we do like to talk some of the happenings of this dairy industry. Is there the fear that we're going to see some liquidation coming from dairy, which means a lot of mature cows headed to the hamburger market? Well, what's starting to happen, Susan, we've talked about this in your program quite a bit, about how the government had a heavy hand last year in buying a lot of cheese and pumping up Class 3. For the first time, it looks to us like, that those purchases are starting to wind down. And we've had a very, very powerful decline in class three prices over the last month. As the government has said, we're going to be buying a little less and a little less. And with production really ramping up, it looks to us like we could be looking at some pretty unprofitable prices. And when that starts to happen, then the, the dairy farmer starts to look at themselves and say, well, you know what, how can we generate some extra income uh, and offset some of these losses? And that usually means liquidating some of those less efficient uh, dairy cattle that they have into the hamburger market. So we think that could become a bearish feature for cattle as we move into the springtime. I think it's a great point you make. Do we see or do you anticipate some of these uh, more purchases coming from the government in 2021 to help out the pandemic? We are seeing some now, but they're quite a bit less. Remember, the first half of the year is the seasonal strong production for the U.S. That's when we produce the most milk seasonally. The back half is less. So we're moving into this spring flush, we call it, just as the government's saying, we're going to purchase some some, you know, some dairy, but a lot less than we were. It's kind of setting up a perfect storm for, unfortunately, some un, you know, probably some un, un, some ugly pricing here as we move into the end of the springtime. We're, we're very concerned we're going to have some prices that are going to look very challenging to the dairy producer after a pretty good run here for a while. What about for the rest of the livestock with the way these grains have ebbed and flowed? Do you see any nervousness coming their way? The biggest thing for, that we're looking at in terms of you know, the, the livestock market is to us is how quickly can this, vac- this vaccination program build this herd immunity that everyone's hoping to build and how quickly can the U.S. economy and the European economy you know, get themselves back on track so we could see normal demand from food service come back into the equation, which is so very, very important to the demand for beef, the demand for pork, 
especially in a time that maybe the Chinese will be pulling back a little bit. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there to see what we what we do might be of value for your listeners. All right. Thanks so much. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.